Hello and welcome to the first ever episode of The Narrative Labyrinth, where we discuss film, TV, literature and games with in-depth reviews and analysis. I'm your host Rachel, and today for our first episode we are seeing the irony in talking about Final Girls and the Final Girl trope. Joining me today is... Hi, I'm Zoe. And I'm Boo. Excellent. Thank you both for joining me on this first episode. And I have brought you both here um, in this online audio sphere to talk about the final girl trope um, from, I guess, different angles. And I guess, first of all, we should probably talk about what is the final, who is the final girl, what is the final girl, and what makes her a trope? Any Anyone got any starting comments? Uh, I mean, she's definitely not me. I don't think I meet many of the criteria for a final girl. Um, she's usually a little bit socially awkward. Virginial, virgin. I can't say that word. She's a virgin. She's chaste. Chaste. I think we've aged one. out of being the final girl now anyway, haven't we? I oh, mean, that's I hate true. to say it because I still think that I'm like 15, but actually I'm nearly 40 and I don't think I'd be the final girl in a final girl movie anymore because I'm too old. Oh, I'd be true. her mum, except I'm not a mum, so... I would basically just be a side character. Your B-level character? Yeah. Yeah, okay, that's fair. Um, she is predominantly white, so can tick that box. Um, and she is generally the one who survives out of her group of fellow youths uh, when they start getting hacked to pieces. So we're going with the idea that it's a, a, a thing that happens predominantly, well, it's horror, it's where it comes from, predominantly slasher movies, um, yeah. and refers to the last girl, final girl, or woman, um, I guess, um, alive, who confronts the killer um, and is the only one kind of left to tell the story. So she is the the, the last, the, the piece of the puzzle that goes on and and survives. Um, it's kind of the, the overarching uh definition of final girl do we both agree with that yeah and i think the the fact that she confronts the killer is a key bit of that because i think before that there were female survivors but they were not the final girl for the trope they have to fight back yeah yeah i would completely agree with that um so now we've established who the final girl is and that neither of you are or could now be the final girl <laughs> because you are now um you're you are those b characters like you're the gas station employee that dies after meeting the the group i could start. be the plucky reporter oh good one yeah okay so you're plucky reporters yeah why why does the final girl trope exist what's what's the purpose of it what does it do i think it's obviously so a lot of the early horror films like the the classics pre-70s um Women were always the victims in the horror films. If you think about, you know, the birds and Psycho and... Peter Tom. Yes. Um, basically, think of Hitchcock. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the women don't do well. Uh, they are ever the victim. And if you look at the time those films were made, I think it was because it was really hard for male audiences to see themselves as the victim. That wasn't comfortable for them, but... You know, they were quite comfortable as seeing women as the victim. Um, and then obviously, as we kind of entered the 70s, we started to get a more women's lib, etc. coming out. Yeah, um, had stuff like Black Christmas with the original had quite feminist themes in it. But yeah, I think you're right. And there's 
you can't really ignore, I think, that there's quite a misogynistic streak that runs through quite a lot of the final girl trope. So uh, this is something that's recently. something else I, I wanted to touch on in this is do we do we view the final girl trope as misogynistic or feminist? Because there's there's kind of uh, lots of theories on on both sides of of that debate. But where where do you both sit on this? I think for the original kind of films that fit within the trope. So if you look at kind of Halloween, um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, etc., I think it was quite misogynistic. Um, it was generally the, the the pretty naive girls being stalked by a man and they do fight back, but it's really completely unexpected that they would. Um, and I think obviously once you start getting into the 90s and you start getting films like Scream and obviously Sydney, etc., I think we've started to kind of try to flip that on the head and then especially with some of the definitely more recent films like Midsummer, which I love. Um, they've completely subverted the trope now um, and have become much more feminist than they originally were. Yeah, I think I'd agree with that. It's um, I think the older films were very much probably setting out the kind of archetypes of the victims. What is an acceptable victim? Oh, it's a woman who is seen as promiscuous. She's an acceptable victim. And the woman that is left, you know, she has to suffer. That's part of the final girl trope, right? But then as you go through kind of horror to more recent films, I think Zoe's right that it tends to be uh, more subversion of the trope and kind of, yeah, definitely more feminist and more empowering themes. But obviously it depends on the movie, I guess. Mm. So so we're saying for for a general rule that the women in the final girl trope um, or the final girl um, genre, I guess, of itself... Um, started off in a in a more misogynistic way, but in the last kind of the turn of the millennium in the late nineties, we were starting to see that trope uh, morph itself um, from a misogynistic point of view to a feminist point of view. Yes, yeah, I think so overall. Yeah, um, I guess there are outliers on on both of those, but that's I, I'm happy to say that's that's the direction we're we're looking at it in. So, uh, starting off in in deep rooted in misogyny born out of the women as, as the victims you said the Hitchcock and like Nosferatu and other ones where the woman was there to be to to be fodder for the for the killer they were the damsel in distress yeah yeah and it's a very certain type of damsel in distress isn't it especially when you look at somebody like Hitchcock Hitchcock um, where it tends to be you know a white blonde victim who's someone that the audience is supposed to be more sympathetic to yeah I can't remember if it was Hitchcock or somebody else, but I read the quote of, uh, like, blondes just portray the victims better because it's like blood on snow. And I was just like, oh. That's Hitchcock. Yeah. You can't see, but I'm making a grimace face because it's really gross. Yeah. So do you think, so obviously we've moved in um, a way to subvert that. And uh, while I would certainly not call Joss Weed a feminist, he obviously took that (laughs) petite blonde... um, idolization that Hitchcock talks about and turned it into a badass uh modern woman yep um in Buffy the Vampire Slayer um and in other properties but particularly in Buffy the Vampire Slayer I think because she's again filling a lot of those tick boxes she's petite she's blonde she's in high school she's an all-american girl um would we say uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer in that case is a final for a start the film and then the tv series is she a final girl I think in the film, definitely, like, vampires attack. Is it the prom or whatever? Like, there is a lot of death. And kind of the end shot is her 
is it her getting on the back of Pike's motorcycle or something? Is, yeah, so she's not his leather jacket. Oh yeah, <laughs> ah, the nineties. Yeah. Um, so she's not quite. Um, because it's all about subverting the trope at that point, but she definitely ticks a lot of the boxes. Um, and then the TV show, definitely season one, Buffy is again quite fitting into that those trope boxes, subverting them a little, but she's still very chaste. Um, she's still blonde. She's still popular, but she is ostracized by her peers because she's odd and they don't know why. Even though she looks like Sarah Michelle Gellar. Yeah. Like, those people are judgy. Just saying. Mm. Did you see some of the outfits she wore, though? I mean, true. But it was again, the 90s. Oh, my God. I aspired to those outfits, except I wouldn't have been allowed to wear them. So <laughs> I was seven, so I didn't uh, aspire oh, to those outfits. <laughs> no. I'm leaving so, this so, so, so you're saying that Buffy in the movie... Well, Zoe is saying, Boo has not yet commented on this. We're saying that uh, Buffy in the movies is very much the final girl and in the first season of the of the TV series, it also toys with that kind of pl- place. I think they both play around with the tropes a little bit. I think where it kind of slightly falls down is that obviously Buffy's friends mostly survive. Mm. So she's not a final, final girl like there are other girls. Um, but yeah... I think definitely some of the tropes are there. So do we think in that, so obviously within the the law of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the Slayer fights alone, she is alone, she's she's the one and only chosen one. Um, do you think that is the show taking that final girl and really subverting it by saying she's not alone, she's got friends? But that's the whole thing about Buffy, isn't it? Because yeah. certainly for the early seasons, um, and actually, up until some of the later seasons when the Watcher Council turn up again, the big problem is that she's got friends. The Slayer always stands alone. And the reason she does that is because nobody can know because they'll die. The people around her will die if she tells them the truth. So she has to stand alone. Uh, and Buffy is the first Slayer to ever push back against that in a very American teen way and be like, no, these are my mates and I'm not doing this by myself. And not only do they know, they go join her on patrol. Like it drives the Watchers Council nuts. And I think also there's a thing there where she talks about how she she hunts and she stalks uh, villainy and evil rather than being sought after by it. So maybe she does subvert it in that way as well, where she's not just the one, she's not being found by bad things. She is going out and finding them. I mean, you start to see that in later kind of slasher films as well. Like there's a bit in Scream 4 where Sydney actually runs towards the house where she know the, knows where the killer is because he's just murdered someone. And she purposely goes after them to try and find out who it is. And there's other kind of films that are kind of less slashery, but other kind of horror films like Ready or Not, for instance, where your final girl does actually go after the people that are hunting her that would, that would hurt her. So I think we see a bit more of that in films as well. Yeah. And I think that's something that definitely starts to creep in. I can't really remember because I haven't watched them recently if it's in some of the earlier kind of slasher films, but that kind of investigative angle that definitely becomes part of the final girl trope. She's not just blasely waiting for the killer to come get her. She's trying to figure out who it is and how to stop them. Mm. Yeah, I don't disagree with that at all. Moving away into other kind of properties, um, Boo, you're obviously a well, not obviously you are a prolific reader, um, particularly of some uh, more 
pulpy. <laughs> oh, you can say they're trash. They are completely uh, trash novels. Um, I love trash. Uh, is it point horror that you read? Oh, I read a lot of point horror. Yeah, and kind of young adult thrillers because they're just easy popcorn reads and they're fun. And I can quote the worst bits on Twitter for a laugh. So yeah. And do you find there's much Final Girl within those as well? Yeah, they do set up a lot of tropes that I see in films later on, actually. So, you know, the, the main protagonist is normally a young white woman. Actually, basically everyone in Point Horror is white. You don't really get anyone that isn't. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a, a white teenage girl, quite often blonde or redhead. Um, I don't know why. They just are. Pale skin. Uh, yeah, they, they do go into great detail, by the way, about how everyone looks and like their eye colour and stuff, because that's obviously vital information to have about characters in order to sympathise with them. Um, and yeah, so she'll have a group of friends and something happens, she, you know, someone will die or there seems to have been a death or she's being stalked and then she has to find out who it is. And it's also the first place actually, which is slightly off topic. So you can check this out if you want, but it's also where I kind of first saw the trope of, um, the teenage girl with the two rival love interests. Uh, I first read about that kind of trope in point horror and it would always, always be one of the love interests is evil. And is trying to kill her and then the other one is the one that she ends up with and you obviously have to make sure you pick right or you die and that's supposed to be very sexy to teenage girls for some reason i don't know why i mean that's even done in the hunger games in fact the hunger games itself could be seen as a final girl mo- um arc in some ways i think actually katniss very much is the final girl um other than the fact, again, she subverts expectations by saving Peter's life at the end with the berries, so they both survive. But the whole point is, much like Buffy, there can be only one. Okay, that's Highlander. But still, the point exists um, that she is meant to survive this alone. She is meant to be the last one out of the arena, and she refuses. But interestingly, within that final girl, which I mean, she is, she goes into the Hunger Games, uh, she is the final girl to survive and she's meant to be the final one out of the lot and then in the second book and second movie where she goes back into the the arena she is once again meant to be the final girl to live um and she obviously changes that and subverts that unintentionally um but the wider rebellion happening around her wanted her to be the one they hold her up as this savior this um icon the rebellion she is the symbol do you think that's because she is a final girl do you think they they give her that final girl status do you think within the space of this property they build in their their propaganda machine as a final girl trope she has the characteristics of a final girl she's not blonde other than that but she so the whole point is that she and Haymitch and everybody wants to save Peter because, you know, he's likable and nobody likes Katniss. But it's Coin that turns around and says, no, we've got to save her because she is the symbol everyone will associate and sympathise more with this young girl. So she's kind of playing the part of the audience. Yeah, she's very much the kind of reluctant hero, but she also ends up being very resourceful when she's pushed into situations that she doesn't want to be in. And I think that's a very kind of final girly thing. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think particularly as we head into the the, the second act of the the, the third book or, or the second movie, uh, the fourth movie, I think that's quite apparent. She becomes that final girl and she does kill. She kills the villain at the end. Yep, she finally kills Coin and Snow unintentionally. Um, but yeah, she takes the bad guys out. That's such a great scene. Yes. Um, okay, so talking about maybe less... Um, 
thought of final girl movies is there any other movies that you think uh technically have final girls that maybe don't get classed as final girls I mean, we were joking about whether Titanic counts because Rose is the final girl, but she's only the final girl because she won't share the door. So, you know. Oh, no, they did that. Didn't they do that on Mythbusters? Like, she could share the door, but then the door is not floaty enough or something. Yeah. But it's still quite funny, isn't it, when she just, like, wrenches his fingers off of the door. Bye, Jack. And he just floats away. Like, fuck off, Jack. We're done now. So are we saying that Rose in Titanic is a final girl or is not a final girl? Although, who's the villain in Titanic? Though? Oh, it's the completely iceberg? the rich guy that she's meant to marry. Did you just ask if the villain was the iceberg? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, who is she supposed to be fighting at the end? Is it like the sea? Punch the ice, Rose! <laughs> the patriarchy, boo. She's fighting the patriarchy. Oh, that's true, yeah. I mean, you could say she's fighting the class system. That too. But then she is the upper class woman that survives and the working class man doesn't. So maybe that doesn't work so well as an analogy. Yeah, yeah, also her lifestyle afterwards looks pretty middle class to me like she has a good fucking time doesn't she yeah i'd say it's a bit better than middle class doesn't she own a ranch and stuff yeah how does she do that i mean we don't question what she does after she gets off the boat but she finds a nice man and settles down and has lots of kids so yeah i shouldn't question that really that's the most realistic bit about titanic i don't disagree that that titanic has got some final girl um elements to it bizarrely other movies that i think maybe don't you don't initially think of as final girl movies but definitely are i'd say gravity it was really good but it vaguely annoyed me because of all the like maternal references yeah but she is quite a virginal woman in space you know she is given that kind of aura that's because she's alone but yeah and comes across as slightly awkward so yeah i think she fits some of the and she does survive when no one else does yeah, bye, George Clooney. Bye. Yeah, isn't she helped, though, by, like, she imagines seeing him or something? Yeah, George Clooney's ghost, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that was weird. Are we saying in that one she's fighting against the asteroid, though? Because, again, what she... <laughs> oh. Space. <laughs> well, I mean, she's fighting for her life. Like, they are all fighting for their life. But there's no villain. She's not being resourceful against a villain. She's being... But she is resourceful. Yeah, but, but not again. she chose to go up there, man. Like, there's an easy way to avoid dying in space, and that's to just stay on Earth. I mean, that is some hardcore, difficult to argue with <laughs> advice there. Don't I mean, want to die I in space. stay on Earth every day. I find it works out really well for me. That's, that's fair. I'll give you that. What do we think about Resident Evil in that case? Is that a final girl trope? Maybe in the first movie, but I don't uh, think it... Yeah. More so in the first film, because then after that, she basically becomes like superhuman and has powers and stuff. Oh, well, yeah, because in the first one, I think it only is because she has amnesia. Yeah. Because then you find out that she is actually this badass soldier that was specifically sent in there to do the mission. Um, but I definitely think at the start of the film, when you don't know the backstory, etc., I think that's another one that deliberately played with the tropes and set it up when you first start watching it. Like, oh, she's obviously going to be the final girl. Um, and then you realise that, no, no, she is a badass and she is going to kick those zombies' asses. Does Underworld have the same thing then? Is that also a final girl trope? No. She's a vampire. Okay. I, yeah. <laughs> she's already dead. She can't the final vampire trope? <laughs> uh, I mean, she's out to punch Bill Nighy, I guess, but I don't... I don't know. I don't think so. Yeah, I mean, she's never portrayed as virginal or chaste. Not in those trousers. 
How did she get into those though? With a lot of polish. So into them, like every time she had to. She was, wasn't she? Like seven did to nine. Know? Like Jerry Ryan used oh, to be no, seven. But like, what if you needed a wee or no. a UTI or IBS? I always think of the toilet stuff. <laughs> Uh, Boo, have you got any uh, not final girl, final girls, or final girls that aren't really counted as final girls? Yeah, this is someone that is always brought up whenever I talk about any kind of strong female character, or like if you ask for a recommendation of a, a female character. I once asked for one in books, and you'll always get a man replying Sarah Connor in the Terminator films. And Sarah Connor is great, I love her. But also, the film is as old as me, and in this case, it's definitely not a final girl, although I've heard men refer to her as a final girl. I think she's more of a, an action hero. Um, so, yeah, Sarah Connor would be my answer. Why, why is she not a final girl? Because, I mean, she does, she does do a lot of those final girl things. What makes her not a final girl? Um, well, I think partly the genre of the films that she's in don't really fit. Uh, she's also not surrounded by a group of people that gradually get picked off by the same monster. She's just pursued by the same villain. Um, that would be my kind of main reasons. I don't think that she's a final girl. The the Sarah Connor arc, and I totally believe that uh, Terminator is far more about her and her journey oh, definitely. than yeah. anyone else. Um, but no, I would agree that she's uh, not... I don't think she fits that final girl genre at all because she's... Yeah, she doesn't... And, Terminator Dark Fate definitely kind of doesn't fit that final girl nope. feeling. Um, so uh, I think there are some, uh, you know, interesting fi- like standard final girls. And a lot of the ones that you sort of talk about when you, when you look at uh, lists of final girls, most of them are kind of pre-90s or kind of end in the mid-90s. It's all quite, yeah. quite old. You've got, obviously, there's Laurie from the Halloween films who is always considered kind of the very classic final girl. She, well, she is the first She is really real the final first. girl. Um, and yeah, I, think I mean, Black Christmas is technically before Halloween, um, but she only fits some of the trope, not all of it. I think Laurie is the first one to tick all the yeah, boxes. Yeah, I'd argue that Black Christmas is actually slightly superior to Halloween and it does different things with its female characters, so... Actually, the first one to die in Black Christmas is the kind of the good virginal girl who is kind of slightly disapproving of the others and she's going home to see her family for Christmas, but she never makes it. Um, And then the final girl is actually, she's not a virgin, she's pregnant and she's intending to get an abortion because she wants a career. She doesn't want to settle down with her horrible boyfriend who I fucking hate. He wants to marry her and put her in a house. Um, And and so it's a very kind of different, I think it's slightly more progressive but I think like Halloween is really. I mean, the given the time it was made films. to have those those notions and those ideals um, oh, at its heart yeah. for its winner for its, its I say its winner yeah the person who survives is really impressive and you know I think we'd still struggle now to have those uh, themes especially given kind of the rulings in Texas recently and stuff like mm. that like we are yeah. dialing back a lot of that stuff yeah. um, so in the seventies to have our our her- our heroine our hero in that position and have those stuff is quite interesting but yeah i don't think Bla- i think black christmas is great i don't think it counts a- on that final girl trope just because it does its subversion before the-, the genre even really exists absolutely yeah i kind of feel like halloween is-, is more the template that the other kind of slashes and and the kind of final girl tropes sort of came from 
Yeah. And I think there's some really interesting things um, about Halloween. And I've read some really interesting um, kind of journal pieces and articles about Halloween and how uh, she kills him with very phallic objects and why she fights <sighs> back with, with uh, uh, penises, basically, but in terms com- of her weaponry. Um, I completely disagree, though. If you actually look at the weapons that Laurie uses, like she's completely kind of thinking on her feet, but it's a clothes hanger, a kitchen knife... And a knitting needle, mm. I think, which are all actually very female-centric weapons. They are, you know, the knife that you've been using to cut the roast, your knitting needle that you've been making your baby sweaters with, and a clothes hanger that you hang your pretty dresses on. I would say they're completely female-centric weapons, not phalluses shaped as weapons. I, w- I think the knife is the one that could go either way, because obviously he also uses a knife in that. But I think the fact that she is using a kitchen knife yeah. um, makes it more... I, I, I would agree. I don't particularly agree with that reading where it's all she's fighting back with phallic objects because I think a knitting needle particularly is an extremely feminine item. You know, it's, it is especially, obviously historically it may not be, but in, in the more kind of 100-year history that we have surrounding that movie, I think it's a, a real female female emblem. And, and the clothes hanger, again, I think you've got a couple of things with that. You've got the, especially as it's a wire coat hanger, um, you've got the connotations with unwanted pregnancy and abortion, as well as the kind of homemaker vibe going on. Sorry, we're just crossing our legs at the mention of the wire coat hangers. <laughs> uh, but yes, absolutely. And I think the the rationale I saw, again, by men, sorry, men, um, was that it was her fighting back and phallicizing uh, the weapons because she was stabbing him and therefore they were piercing the skin and going inside and I was like oh all right that's an interpretation you are making I'm gonna stick with my she's using female centric weapons so do you think that's where do you think the the final girl loses her femininity in her fight back in that case do you think when she is picking up weaponry to uh attack the monster um particularly in these again more traditional slasher movies you know we're talking from the 70s to the 90s realistically do you think she becomes less feminine do you think she has to lose some of her femininity to fight back against the villain by picking objects and penetrating i think she definitely loses some of her kind of chaste virgin pure pureness there you go she loses her pureness when she picks up the weapons to fight back um, and you could say there's probably a message there about the fact that the women who survive are the ones that give up that kind of purity that traditional society is looking for. I'm not sure if you could say they give up their femininity. I think some films you could say that they give up some of their humanity, maybe. I think yes. I'm thinking particularly things like The Descent. Um, oh, the Descent. I'm so glad we've gotten to The Descent. <laughs> I thought you might be. Uh, the um, Descent is one of my favourite movies ever. Um, I So, story behind The Descent is I actually snuck into the cinema to see it when I was 15. Um, and, and it was an 18 rated. I, right, this is because I was studying for my GCSEs um, and I was hoovering like the living room or something and This Morning was on and they did um, a segment on this movie that had people uh, passing out in the cinema and like people leaving because it was so horrific and I was like, I'm going to go see that. Um, <laughs> so I, the first time I ever brought cinema tickets online because they didn't check your age. So I just went in with these cinema tickets um, and yeah, it was terrifying. Great. Did you not get ID'd at the cinema? I mean, no, not then. I do now, but I didn't then. 
because I bought the tickets online, so no one cared. They were like, oh, there's a ticket there, meh. Cool. Um, but yeah, anyway, that the, the the Descent has a real place in my heart um, as a movie. I think it's got some really interesting production values um, and does some really interesting things around femininity and womanhood. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I'm an English teacher, not fucking Tomb Raider. Yeah. It speaks to my soul. Mm-hmm. Um, not because I'm an English teacher, but <laughs> um, as, a, as an educator, it really speaks to me because I'm definitely not Tomb Raider. Uh, but yeah, I think she definitely loses her humanity through that movie she becomes one of the monsters are we are we saying the that she is the final girl in the descent are we calling her a final girl yeah i think i'd call her a final girl um, i mean today if you ignore the sequel i guess um, the sequel doesn't exist it's fine yeah i mean especially with the, the british ending of the first one but to all intents and purposes all of the rest of her group have gone um, and she's the one that is left surviving to the end um, until yeah. we realise that it's not a happy ending, obviously. But yeah. she's the final girl. I think there's a few interesting ones. Cause traditionally, the final girl is the one who survives fighting back against the villain. But there are definitely some final girls who actually don't. I cannot remember her name for the life of me, but Candyman. Um, yeah. Well, she like, becomes the villain again, doesn't she? she? Yeah, she, she becomes the new Candyman, basically. So uh, I would, and, and I think the same happens in The Descent. You have to... to to win you have to become the villain and that also happens in Hostel 2 um, which is the Eli Roth um, early noughties like torture porn there was that whole kind of phase of having movies like that and in the first one it was about three guys in the second one it's about three girls and the first two die and then she um, manages to bargain her way out and Mm. to, to actually be allowed to leave she had to join the evil society and she had to kill someone so she kills the one who bought her in the first place um so she has to become evil she has to become the evil to survive the evil yeah and that's definitely a message that is coming out more and more again if you think midsummer but also is it the witch yeah um that's definitely you know they are very much the final girl but the way the final girl survives is basically joining the cult in midsummer she becomes the queen bee or the flower slug. So do you think she is the final girl? Because I object a little bit to her being called the final girl because she's not running. She's not in any danger at any point through this. All the shitty people around her are in danger for being shitty. I think but there's be- a sense that she she could be in danger if she does something wrong and she doesn't know what the rules are that she's playing by. So but I don't a feel there's any it could go wrong at any point. Uh, but I don't feel there's any um, anxiety or agency around her character about that. I feel like she's just. She is, but I don't think she knows. So well, she that's what I mean. I don't yeah. think she's making any conscious effort to not get it wrong. I think. She oh just... no, I would disagree. I do think she. Again, it's that investigative angle. So she's the one who's questioning. Well, where have the others gone? She's the one who's saying he wouldn't leave without her. That's not right. Something weird's going on. The men all ignore her and be like, "No, no, it's all fine. It's all fine, love." And she's like, mm, "I'm not sure it is. I think we should leave." And they keep ignoring her. Um, I think if she had made different choices or behave differently that they would have killed her um but they welcome her because she kind of doesn't she kind of gets through it and in the end she gets crowned and smiles as they burn the bear alive and i love it so much burning the bear yeah he deserves it yeah he did but what evil does she overcome what evil does she defeat him 
she defeats him. Like he is a manipulative SOB who completely gaslights her the entire way through their relationship and setting him afire at the end is very cathartic. Okay, yeah. I would still say it's a subversion of the trope rather than an actual final yeah, girl. Yeah, I, I think it is a subversion of the trope, but I think in many ways she ticks the boxes. Again, she's kind of blonde, blonde and white and innocent. She's been through stuff. You know, she's barely hanging in there. She's socially awkward. Like nobody in the group bar, the one guy actually wants her there. They're all tolerating her and talking about her behind her back. You know, there is a lot of the trope she does tick. Yeah. Um, so I think we've we've mentioned this enough now, but I think we need to to talk a bit about race in the final girl trope. Um, and I would say there is quite definitely a, an issue with race within the final girl trope. I think there's an issue with race just in horror films. Like if you talk about the final girl trope, you have to acknowledge things like the the black guy dies first trope um, and all these other things. I think when you look at the final girls so often, especially in more recent, and I don't mean the recent, recent films like the the 90s to noughties films, there's usually like the black best friend or something. Yeah, the sassy best friend or the comic relief sidekick is usually... Or the the sensible one who's still going to die because the white girl has to survive. Yeah. Yeah, I would. Agree. So we are saying why we say there's a problem with um, the final girl, not just the final girl trope and race, but actually horror and slasher as a as a as a wider genre and race. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I would agree with that. But we have obviously we keep saying you know a lot of these final girls are white. They're they're blonde. They're petite. Um, Wafy. I think that's the perfect word to sum up a final girl. Yeah, they're they always can, a bit. They can be brunette, but they have to be wafy. Yeah. Yeah, and I'd say in Gravity, she's she's quite wafy. Oh, you, you keep fighting for that to be on the final girl list. It Again. is. She's a final girl. She doesn't need to punch an asteroid to be a final girl. I disagree, but okay. Um, you've got um, The Descent. She's blonde. Uh, you've got, um, is it Ready or Die? Ready or Not. Ready or Not. Because it's hide and seek. Yeah. Um, she's blonde-ish. Uh, Midsummer. she's blonde. Yep. It follows. Buffy. She's blonde. Yeah, it follows. It yeah. Um, yeah, I think there's. It's quite common. House of Wax. She's blonde. Halloween. Yeah, um, dirty blonde. I'm not sure Laurie's really blonde, blonde, but yes. But you wouldn't look at her and go, "Wow, what a strong brunette." No, it's true. <laughs> <coughs> um, someone who is brunette um, is Ripley in Alien. Yes who I think is a final girl in the first movie. If we Definitely look at- the first movie. I think when you get beyond the first ones, they stop being kind of pure horror, horror and they become more action movie and then she crosses over into the Sarah Connor rules of film. Uh, but definitely in the first one, they are horror and she is the final girl. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I think Ripley is the other one, along with Sarah Connor, that men on the internet, sorry men, but you do keep bringing up when you talk about strong female characters in any kind of genre, they'll say Sarah Connor and Ripley. And like Zoe says, I think as far as the final girl trope goes, she is, I'd say, in the first film because it is very much a horror film. And then after that, you start going into more kind of action hero territory. Yeah. Um, thinking of the Crimson Peak, which we haven't spoken about. There is- <gasps> I mean, Crimson Peak doesn't quite fit because, again, she's not surrounded by a group of friends. Um 
I mean, everybody around her does die, um, but it's not the kind of friends going to a party or being hunted by a killer. Um, it's that she's naively married the killer and his sister wife, uh, and they are trying to kill her, and she's kind of fights back. But, oh, my God, I love that movie so much. I mean, in fairness to her, the killer does look like Tom Hiddleston, so... I mean, yeah, I'd have married him and his sister wife to make. Very much so, yeah. But I think, I guess that's more of kind of a gothic horror. Yeah. I think the rules are a bit different for that kind of subgenre. But she does fit a lot of the final girl tropes. And on a lot of kind of listicles online, she is listed as a final girl. Yeah, I'll accept it. She does tick many of the boxes. Yeah, she's blonde. She gets isolated by the killer. They are chasing her down, especially once you figure out what's going on. If you think about the fact that the sister is the villain. Um, Lucinda? Lucille? Lucille. Um, there is actually that very traditional being chased through the house with a knife. and oh, That's amazing. Yes. Uh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> so I think there are many bits of it that do match. Yeah, I mean, as I said, it, it features on lots and lots of lists as as a final girl uh, movie, um, but not in that kind of traditional slasher. It's still horror, but it's more gothic horror than than slasher horror, um, which yeah, I would I would agree with. Um, have either of you seen the Cube movies? Uh- I tried to watch the first one, and this is where I revealed that I'm actually terrible with horror films because I am the biggest wuss. Um, so a lot of these I've like seen once, but I had to watch them like the first time covering my eyes, the second time covering my ears because um, I'm I'm really a massive wuss. Uh, yeah, I have seen the first one between my fingers. Yeah, I've so seen the, the first one, but like a long time ago, to be honest. I haven't watched it recently has not aged well um so they use a kind of cute innocent girl um isn't it um she becomes dax on ds9 isn't she really i'm gonna check that now keep talking okay um she although doesn't make it to the end um uh someone with learning disabilities does instead what we would now probably label as autism i would think um if i remember correctly um because it's about being more innocent or more pure and he is deemed more pure than she is uh but in cube two um, Hypercube and Cube Zero. They went back. Um, they play it completely straight. It's a. It's another blonde survivor to the end. Mm. It is. It is. In fact, Nagolda Burr. Oh my god! New Dax, not proper Dax. Uh, yeah. You can't just say that. You can't just say not real and real Dax. I mean, anybody who's listening to this will agree with me. It's fine. <laughs> Um, do we think Harley Quinn sits in the final girl trope? She ticks a lot of the boxes. I'm not sure you can ever really describe her as innocent, though. Even when she's Dr. Harleen Quinzel, maybe, but... Yeah, I don't think she really fits the kind of... No. No. <laughs> yeah, um... And I think a lot of Harley as well, like her, a lot of her story is kind of post her death if you like yeah that's where the emphasis of her story is it's not really on what happens before then that's just her backstory um so yeah i I don't think that she fits fair i will i will agree with that it's again it's something i've seen uh people call her a final girl and i i disagree um Mm -hmm. because yeah i think we see her after her 
death and then her rebirth. Yeah, I think maybe we just need more final girls because it feels like a lot of people are really scraping the barrel here of just any female character. Yeah, I mean, we haven't... So obviously you've got Nancy in kind of the Nightmare on Elm Street films. You've got... Oh, it begins with an A in um, Friday the 13th. And, I mean, Dana, Dana, however you want to say it, in Cabin in the Woods. Dana, yeah. Yes. So we haven't spoken about Cabin in the Woods yet. Would you now like to speak about Cabin in the Woods? Yes, because I love it. Go on then. Uh, I think, again, obviously, the whole point of Cabin in the Woods is it's all about subverting the tropes of slasher films. And they completely lean into that. Um, And obviously, all the way through, you're like, oh, it's this trope. Oh, it's that trope. Oh, they're being really obvious. And then kind of the final section of the film, you're like, oh, oh, okay. Like, they know this is deliberate. Um, Obviously, Josh has left his job at the White House and is now working at the secret bunker facility. And nobody's ever going to tell me that's not canon. Um, And they are betting on who's going to survive. But the whole point is each kind of, continent has its own tropes and its own kind of horror films that they have to play into to appease the gods which is great um and obviously for the americans it is primarily about the final girl trope like everybody else has to die they have to die in order so the whore has to die first uh, and then you have the final girl she can die she can live but as long as she suffers yeah. as told by sigourney weaver being amazing do you think there's any irony to the fact that it's Sigourney Weaver? Oh, I think that's completely that's intended. intended. Yeah. yeah. So I also find it interesting that it's the second Joss Whedon uh, property we've spoken about on this on this podcast um, that involves subverting the trope of the final girl. And I think that's because he said himself, like, all right, I have many problems nowadays with Joss Whedon, but... He has said, you know, he has a love for these. All of his properties are born out of a love for the kind of source material, as it were. Um, and, and Buffy and Cabin in the Woods are born out of his love of kind of traditional horror films, etc. And he wants to homage those while subverting the tropes and updating them and playing with them. And yeah, what's great about it is as well, I don't think you need to know what all of the tropes are in order to enjoy Cabin in the Woods. Like it stands alone as a really fun movie without necessarily having a really extensive knowledge of horror. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. I think that's one of the great things that works for Cabin in the Woods. And I think it's got lots of Easter eggs to other kind of horror franchises and horror tropes within there as well. Yes. Thinking the Battle Royale nod that it gives massively. Yeah, and in the cubes, you've got all the nods to the other films, like Lord of Pain, who is basically Pinhead, um, and all the other things. And I do love that the whole way through that the joke is that Josh, Josh wants to see a merman. He <laughs> wants to see people killed by the merman. And then you, you're expecting something pretty that's also horrifying. And then you see it and it's just really fat and ugly and it just flops over and then basically sucks his face off. And it's great. <laughs> you're really into the mermaid in Cabin in the Woods. <laughs> I'm just into Cabin in the Woods. It's my favorite film. Like I love it. Fair enough. Um, so all those things, we've, we've again spoken about stuff that maybe doesn't quite meet the final girl trope um, and stuff that does. So stuff that does meet the final girl trope, we're saying is it's, it's quite a narrow um, space, isn't it, that they fit. They're generally blonde. Um, they're petite um, most of the time. Yeah. Uh, all the time, I think. I can't think of an occasion. Yeah. 
when not. Yeah, there are no averagely sized or plus sized final girls. They are wafy. But also they come from, um, they're very, uh, if I say middle American, you know, they're, they're from the suburbs. They're a suburban, suburban girl next door type. Yeah, they've all got giant houses. And even when they're supposed to be poor, like it just means they've got a slightly scuzzy car in the, in the front yard of their giant house. So, yeah. So- and the occasions where you see them out of suburbia thinking like texas chainsaw massacre it's taking the all american like middle american girl and putting her somewhere like like the back hills or whatever Um, but we're taking in that very very narrow uh view of femininity and women in that that's a very narrow uh for all for these you know tens of tens hundreds of movies to have made uh final girl kind of slasher movies all use this very very similar template of of a woman yeah and i think all the ones that we've discounted are because they actually don't meet those kind of criteria um like we've discounted crimson peak is more gothic because she's not a middle american you know middle class girl she's i would say she is of her time Mm -hmm. um but she doesn't have that kind of uh modern day uh kind of college girl thing going on Um, group of friends she doesn't have the group of friends i think that's the key bit but she is socially awkward she's ignored by the because she's a she wants to be a writer doesn't she yeah she's writing a book and you have the other society girls who snub her because she's not a typical society she's not like other girls yeah so she's better so i think that's one of the reasons she does fit the trope um i think it's just that they then take her away from all of those before Mm. the horror starts happening um, so based on those things, we've we've again we talk about the the uh, final girl uh, being very pure, very wafy, very um, virginal. Do we do we think um, she is like? Do you think she's the male fantasy? Do you think she's like a virgin for for male gaze for male fantasy? I think certainly the older films. That's what she is. Yeah, and I think it's I. I heard like there was an interesting uh there's a guy on youtube who was talking about it a man so, on youtube no way i know <laughs> did he give you um, his opinion he did um and his view was that actually by putting the point of view on on the woman it's to build empathy and to give men a chance of walking through women's shoes of what it feels like to be a victim and i was like mm, i'm i'm not sure that's why they did it but okay yeah. Not sure how much I agree with that uh, assessment, but okay. Yeah, yeah. I think there's something quite male gazy about quite a lot of the the older horror films, particularly slasher films. Um, do you think that's because little... there's a lack of women um, in the creation process, or do you think that's just the way it was? I think it goes back to the kind of the point at the start about, especially with the older films and the audiences of the time. I think they'd have struggled to feel sympathy and possibly empathy with men who were being the victim, especially if you think about American audiences, they would have seen those traits as being quite feminine of the men, trying to not stray into dangerous (laughs) waters here. Um, Gender roles, I think that would have not been men fitting in the gender roles the audiences expected. There we go. That feels safer. 
Yeah. I think it's interesting when we get movies when we have a final man, um, they're often deemed action movies. So we have things like uh, Rambo where he is, he's the final survivor and he's male. Yep. But we don't call that the final guy. But also, no. there's not really, there doesn't tend to be, at least not for me, like a real sense of danger for those characters. It's just a case of you're supposed to sit there and watch them and enjoy them kicking ass. But there's not really a sense that, oh, they might fail or something horrible will happen or they'll be murdered in the end. Like, you know that they'll come out on top. Do you think, think that's because they're action movies rather than horror movies? Very much so. I think because the expectation is they will survive because they're the men. Yeah. I'm trying to think of horror films where you could potentially say that the guy is the final guy. Get out, kind of. Yeah, I guess I was thinking of things like The Ritual, although it's not a mixed group, they're all men. Um, Hostel, the first one, they're all men. Cabin Fever is a mixed mm. group and you do have a final boy, although he dies. It's quite funny. Any of the Saw movies? I think possibly the... No, doesn't everybody die at the end of the first one? It's been a while since I watched that. Wait, do we get to say that Ash from the Evil Dead is the final guy? Because I'm totally here for that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. With his chainsaw hand. So what we're saying is they they don't have an equivalent representation, basically. I think because the expectation is because they're men, they will be better equipped to survive we expect them to go in and be all gung-ho and beat the bad guy in that case are we saying that final girls are a thing of the past are they done very do we not need them anymore do they not exist anymore are we just too interested in parodying and subverting and and altering that trope to actually have them anymore i think the final girl still exists and i would like to see more of the final girl but i don't want to see what's already been done I feel like we've moved on from sort of the 70s and 80s and even the 90s at this point. Like, I want to see something different and I do want to see it subverted in in some way. I don't want to keep seeing the same thing. Yeah. I think, I definitely think the trope still has a place. I would just like us to see more. Like, can we not have the traditional wafy girl survive? Um, Like, let's have some... Diversity. Yeah, let's have some diversity in our final. Can we have final people? Like, you know, let's move away from binary gender in our horror films, please. Um, let's have some different body types. And yeah, let's like, please, can they stop all being white? Please. I think the final girl still has a place. Um, I think there is more space for subversion than there used to be. And I think we're more about subverting. That I think it's such an ingrained trope now that it is more about subversion than than working with. And, and it is about pushing those boundaries. I think we've seen a lot of that in the last 10 years. I think we've probably seen more of that in the last 10 years than we have in the last 40 years mm. um, with lots of these movies. Um, and I can't think of any particularly recent, other than the final girl's, movie that they made which was a kind of a parody about final girls i can't think of many actual final girl movies um yeah so obviously cabin in the woods definitely is this is the version of the trope because it's not uh it's it's designed to be that way true um is it victoria terrifier Uh, I don't know that one well enough to comment. That turns up on lists sometimes. Uh, One we haven't mentioned, which is definitely a subversion of the trope, and I'm not sure whether it sits or not, Happy Death Day. I love Happy Death Day. I think it fits. I think the first one definitely fits. Yeah. 
Does she punch time? (laughs) I mean, it's about her finding out who's trying to kill her and stopping them. So she's. Is she final girly in that, or is she is she actually more of that kind of male um, engaged uh, entity instead? I think the first couple of times she dies, she's definitely the victim. Like she has no idea what's going on. She has to investigate it. I don't know if she she doesn't quite fit. Like she's not socially awkward that I remember. She's quite she's blonde but though. That is a kind of subversion of itself though, isn't yeah. it? In the fact that she's actually she's a pretty and popular girl, although she's actually not very nice. She's the mean girl that would have died in an 80s movie. Um and, and throughout the course of the film, as she continually dies and is brought back to life, she kind of learns and grows and finds out who the killer is. Um, so yeah, it's a, a little bit of a, a, a subversion, I suppose. Something we haven't talked about is the movie Teeth. Have either of you seen the movie Teeth? We're both looking at each other and smiling. Yes, yes. we have seen the movie Teeth. Um, not called Tooth, if you're talking in the singular, still Teeth. Um, how do you think that? I think that's a, a really good subversion of the final girl trope. Yeah, I mean, I enjoyed Teeth probably far more than I should have and certainly more than any of the men I watched it with. Um, Do you know, fun fact about that movie, they spent a third of their VFX budget on the uh, power plant towers behind the house. Wow, really? Yep. That's a very specific thing to spend the budget on, but okay. Yeah. Um, It's because she's meant to, there's meant to be um, the idea that her mother gets cancer. And the reason she has got this abnormality, this genital abnormality, um, is because of the chemicals in the plant behind, is meant to be kind of a subversive underlying idea yeah i think the fact that she's again she's blonde she's wafy she's very virginal in fact she's kind of aggressively virginal in the kind of purity she's part of the purity movement and all that kind of stuff and it's actually she she survives by finding her sexuality by Mm -hmm. understanding her body and and surviving uh, and becoming that sexual being yeah and i think that ties into that whole um the final girl kind of joining the cult, joining the thing. So again, the witch, that's very much, um, she is the the Puritan girl. Her parents think she's a witch because she's a woman beginning to blossom um, and that terrifies them. Uh, and the only way she really survives is when she basically signs her pact with the devil. And that's a very orgasmic scene. So I think... What we're kind of saying in a roundabout way is the more modern um, final girl generally has to become the evil. Yeah. In a different way. So maybe previously, so Midsummer, she joins the cult in teeth. Uh, she becomes um, the killer. I don't know that necessarily you'd have to say that they have to become the evil, but I think they certainly have to be more proactive than they have been in maybe older movies. Uh, yeah. So kind of thinking of things like Ready or Not, where the bride ends up trying to hunt the family that are killing her. She's not just running away. Um, it's the idea of the, the final girl running into the danger rather than waiting for the danger to come to her. Yeah, exactly. She's not hiding in the bathroom while he smashes in the bathroom door or... Yeah, like generally they just kind of have to fight back or like there was the remake of or the the latest version of Black Christmas which is basically the girls were fighting back against the patriarchy. Like, I think it has to be something different than just the girl running away and being stabbed. Yeah. Um, And Quentin Tarantino did uh, quite an interesting version of this with his uh, Grindhouse movie, Death Proof. 
I don't know if anyone saw, it was a, a, a grindhouse double bill with Planet Terror. Um, but in Death Proof, he actually looked a lot at old slasher movies, and it's about this Kurt Russell's character um, who would chase girls' cars and smash into them and kill them, or invite them into his car. Um, and then would intentionally crash and they'd die. And that's what that was his pleasure. And he's chasing this uh, group of four women, two of whom are blonde, um, in a car. And they they kill him. <laughs> they win and they beat him up. I haven't seen that one. Yeah, now I regret not finishing it because I did start watching it. And I was like, no, I'm going to bed. <laughs> it, is a really, it is a really long car chase. But it's got Zoe Bell, um, who... Uh, Quentin Tarantino loves. She's uh, Uma Thurman's stunt double in all of Kill Bill. And he liked her so much, he wanted to make her a lead in a movie. So that's how kind of Death Proof came into existence. <laughs> um, and she does all her own stunts and they're amazing. Um, but yeah, it's again that kind of, they're not virginal women, but they are blonde um, and they're pretty, but they're not petite necessarily. Well, I mean, they are still, I mean, they're they're Hollywood, so, yeah. you know. Um, but they're not that wafy type. They are strong, independent women um, and the the slasher doesn't win because they're not they're not the final they are final girls but they're they're proactive final girls and they kick his head in as the credits roll <laughs> <laughs> i think that's it i think more modern final girls are proactive i definitely think that's the word i don't think at the start you could have ever called laurie proactive mm. slightly more observant than everybody else but i'm not sure you'd call her proactive uh the one we haven't touched on given we made a point about all final girls are white um is the recent american horror story 1984 yep um which obviously has donna and she makes a comment so she's played by angelica ross um and she makes a comment at the start when they're having a conversation for whatever reason about final girls about she's obviously never going to be a final girl because have you seen the color of the skin like people with her skin color are always in the crosshairs first or whatever the quote is um and yet at the end, she is one of the final girls. Yeah, so a subversion of a trope, um, a modern day property based in the 80s, subverting the the final girl, blonde, white girl trope. Yeah. It's a good season, actually, of American Horror Story 84. I like it because it, it definitely leans hard into the 80s feel. Like you really do get a lot of the 80s slasher vibes from it. Uh, but again, it just plays with it and does interesting stuff i know it had kind of mixed reviews but i thought it was good um i think we're we're coming close to the end does anyone have any final comments on the final girl trope in in media at all i think there has to be a rule that if you're doing anything with a final girl in sigourney weaver has to turn up at some point yes agreed yeah vote is carried so you cannot do final girl anymore without sigourney weaver in some way, yeah. Yeah, she has to make a cameo somewhere. Yeah. How would you make a cameo then? If you were making a Final Girl movie, how would you get Sigourney Weaver to, to, to be a cameo? Ask her really nicely. Yeah. <laughs> what role would you have her do? <laughs> what role wouldn't I have her do? Like, she can just turn up. She can be the voice of the computer. Like, she can do whatever she likes. She's Sigourney Weaver. I don't mind. Boo? Yeah, basically that. Anything. I would, I would make a cameo role for her to be in, but she needs to be there. Yeah. I think I'd have her as like the police detective afterwards, like talking to the <laughs> to the final girl and be like, wow, yes, it's amazing you ever survived this. It's a good job you're pretty or something awful like that. It depends if I was going for like a straight version of the, the final girl uh, genre or 
or like a, a subversion of? Yes. Um, in fact, like, let's go all in. Like the two cops at the end, it's Sigourney Weaver and Jamie Lee Curtis. There, yes. we're done. Fine. Oh, God, I would watch that movie. <laughs> a buddy cop movie. Yes. Where they're trying to solve the murders that are happening. Yeah, that would be amazing. There we are. Can we pitch it? Sorted. Well, I did read pitch. a um, theory a little while ago about Cabin in the Woods. And it, the idea was that Sigourney Weaver is the final girl and the actual main characters are the people in the lab. So, like, the jock is, um, I think his Truman is the new security guy that they yes. bring in. Um, and the nerd is obviously Amy Acker, Acker yeah. in her white lab coat. Um, and then you've got the two uh, main guys um, for the other. There's no there's no whore, though. Well, the person who said it was said it was, um, oh, God, I can't remember his name. Not Josh, but the other guy that he's with. Oh, the older guy. Um, yeah. I can't remember his name, but hopefully everybody knows who I mean. That guy, um, their theory was that he was the whore because he used a lot of sexualized language and his pr- preferred swear word was fuck. Um, I'll buy it. Yeah, I'll so allow like, it. Yeah, no, he's gonna, he, he fits that archetype. And the idea was that they were the actual main characters of the film. He doesn't die first, though. But it doesn't matter as long as the virgin dies last. That's true. And she does suffer. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so that that was it. Cabin in the woods. We've just we've just reevaluated. Anything else? Any other final 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 girl statements from either of my guests? I want happy death day three. <laughs> there we are. There's Boo's thing. There's my thing. That's it for the end of our first episode talking about the final girl. Um, thank you to both my guests, Zoe and Boo, for coming along and talking about final girls. Um, which one of us is the final girl? I vote. It's probably you. You are the youngest. You're the youngest. I'm never going to run from anything, though. I'm too lazy. <laughs> but that's you subverting the trope. So you'd just be like, I'm not moving. I'm going to stab you with whatever is to hand. Yeah, I'll buy it. It's actually a rubber duck. It's the closest thing to hand. <laughs> oh. Yeah, good luck. <laughs> I'm subverting the trope. We'll go with that. Yeah. Uh, Excellent. Don't forget to catch uh, the next episode when we'll again be diving into the depths of narrative on the screen, on the page and in the stories we create and play ourselves. Thank you very much for listening to our first episode. Um, We will catch you very soon. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Thank you.